So is that Mark, you said 65 degrees? Is that kind of anything above that? We should really be cautious and, you know, not be looking to PR, right? If we're going, okay. (laughs) I I would even say like, if I look at the weather and it's 75 degrees is the morning temperature and it's a 72 dew point, that's a much more dangerous run than if it's 90 degrees with a 55 degree dew point. Like that's a really dry heat. You just put on a hat and sunglasses and try to stay out of the, the direct sun. And that's an easier run in that super hot weather than it is in that lower temperature weather. So sometimes that's where we get caught up in August is that we think, oh, it's only 75 degrees outside, but it's so humid that our bodies just are not sweating as, as they should. So here's the question, how do runners like us remain active, get stronger and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, educator and creator of Spark Physical Therapy. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast. And it is Monday and we are live within the Healthy Runner Facebook group for another special guest with us today. So it is the dog days of summer. So the timing (laughs) is actually perfect here in Connecticut. And we are currently running through the hottest part of the year and wanted to help you conquer your running outside in the summer. This is part two of our running in the summer series that we have. Last week, we talked about um, nutrition and hydration, keys to success for running races and the importance of liquid calories, staying hydrated and the benefits of energy gels with Mike Mathewson from Crank Sports. So if you missed that, check it out on the replay within the Monday Night Spark topics tab within the healthy runner Facebook group. So you can find all of our Monday night live trainings within that topics tab, or check out episode 26 of the healthy runner podcast. So I want to know, have you guys ever thought to yourself, what temperature is too hot to run? Or do you want to know how to prepare to run in hot weather and continue your training despite the high temperatures? So in this episode, we have Stephanie Blosey, owner of Fleet Feet in West Hartford, Connecticut, our hometown here in Connecticut. Um, So this store is one of the leading specialty running stores in the country. You guys have probably heard of them before. So believe it or not, the focus of tonight's conversation will not solely be on running shoes, but will be related to Steph's former career as a meteorologist to talk to us about how to run in the heat and humidity. So we are going to be getting into why it is harder to run in warm weather. Is it dangerous to run in extreme temperatures and heat? And what are the benefits of running in hot weather? And how do you prepare to run in hot weather? So that was a lot there. So, hey, Stephanie, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me on your show tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the Healthy Runner podcast. So I initially, quote unquote, met Steph uh, by listening to her on one of the many running podcasts that I listened to during my long runs. And I actually remember this because I was doing my first 11 miler. So we're working up, we're doing a little virtual half marathon uh, series. And we have that this coming Saturday. And it was my first 11 miler and it was in the 90s. And it was a tough one. I was struggling. 
And I was listening to your voice on the Alley in the Run podcast. And I thought your background was pretty cool. And I was like, you know what? Like, she would probably be great. And then once I heard you were in Connecticut, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like perfect. I'm like, I got to reach out to her and see if she can help our listeners be able to conquer this heat and humidity um, that we have. So I also love, and I was just telling uh, Steph offline here that I was just near her store on Saturday because my family and I really love Bar Taco and we like to get those margaritas and her stores near Bar Taco in West Hartford. So now when I go up to Bar Taco, I'll have an excuse to stop in the store and yeah, say hi. So Steph, let's get started with, we're big fans of the dynamic warm-up here within the oh. Healthy Runner uh, community. So tell us where are you from and what do you do? All right. Well, I'm also going to throw you a little story after I tell you where I'm from and what I do. Um, so originally born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm a Midwesterner at heart. Um, big Cincinnati Reds fan, always will be. Um, but now I reside here in Hartford, Connecticut, the filing cabinet of the world. Um, and I did move here to open up uh, the Fleet Feet Hartford running store in West Hartford Center. And that was a little over 12 years ago. So they always say it takes, you know, if you can survive in a small business for two to five years and you know you've been successful, I, I kind of feel like I might be at that point now that we might be able to continue through. Um, but it's been quite a ride. Um, and the story I have to tell you is when you say dog days of summer, that has a special meaning in our family. So um, I grew up in a family of runners, my dad, always ran when he ran in the 70s when the jogging craze hit. Um, he literally wore cutoff jean shorts with a belt and uh, Converse high tops to run in. Um, and he would go for these tremendously long runs, 18, 20 miles um, on Sunday mornings before any of us ever woke up. Um, and so I grew up in Cincinnati in a small town called Marymount. And he would run through Marymount up this huge hill to this great town called Indian Hill. Um, and he would run through there. and on his big 20 mile course, he'd always pass by this dog that would always um, be barking at him. Um, usually the dog was tied up, but for whatever reason that one day the dog wasn't tied up. So the dog started running with my dad and this is at like mile three. And um, at some point the dog like looks at my dad and kind of figures out like, oh geez, I'm kind of far from home. They're probably at mile six at this point. I better stick with this guy and hopefully he'll run me home. And literally the dog ran with him for 18 miles. And when it got to his house, like he was so exhausted and elated to like find his way back home. I think it was like, I've made it home. Um, and my dad ran home and told us this funny little story. Well, next week he ran and as he was running by the house, the dog took one look at him and was like, oh no. And he literally went back in the house. He didn't bark at my dad ever again. He's like this crazy <laughs> runner. So we always think of dog days of summer as this dog running with my dad for 18 miles and just being miserable. My dad said his tongue was hanging out. The dog probably slept for weeks and ate more than his owners could ever imagine why he was so hungry. So love those dog days of summer. That is probably one of my biggest fears running is, especially now with the invisible fences, you know, yeah, sometimes you have you dogs like just dart out and you're just like, oh my goodness, I am just going to get mauled right now. And yeah. then luckily they stop at their property line. I'm like, whew, thank goodness. Well, now we've got the bear problem in Connecticut that bears seem to be roaming the roads of uh, residential neighborhoods a little bit more than they should be. 
that makes us run faster, right? Speed workout. Yeah, I, I have never luckily seen a bear um, during a run. I have seen a bobcat and a fox. Oh, all right. So they've been in my neighborhood um, recently. But yeah, I, if I ever saw a bear, uh, that'd be pretty darn <laughs> scary. So Steph, why do you like to run or why do you like to work with uh, the running community? Yeah, sure. So I mean, like all running junkies, it, it kind of is a matter of fitness, but it's also empowerment, it's enlightenment, um, the confidence that it gives you. And of course, the number one reason um, is to you can wear cute running clothes and look good while you run and fun shoes and get, keep testing out new products. Um, but really, it's sort of that elusive runner's high that, that still keeps me running to this day. And you don't get that high very often. But when you do, you just like feel like a million dollars. Um, and that just sense of conquering a, a run. If you like, if you did that 11 miler in the heat, it was hot. It was your longest run ever. You can't help but feel amazing when you finish that. And that's one of the best feelings in the world. So, um, from a personal basis, that's why I love running. Um, the reason why I love my job now is that I, I do get to be, um, a big part of our community. Um, I always like to think that, um, I want to be the spark that ignites goodness in our corner of the world. And we've been able to do that. Runners are some of the most generous, kind people I've ever met. Um, and so to be able to unite runners together um, to do good in this world is kind of an amazing thing. Um, everyone knows a friend that has started running that running changed their life, whether they lost a hundred pounds or you know, they ran a marathon, they became just so much confidence built up because they became a runner, like running changes people's lives. Um, at Fleet Feet, we always say running changes everything. And that's my job. I get to do it every day. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is amazing. And I think even during this pandemic and everything, you know, social injustice, everything that's going on in the world, I think you've seen that in the running community of people just coming together. Yeah. Um, not only for like you've definitely mentioned the personal, you know, benefits that we've seen with running and just, you know, all the runners that I've worked with throughout the years from, you know, someone who struggled to run through pain and then conventionally get them to their half marathon goal and they can run without yeah. pain and then they can get more fit and lose weight. Like you said, um, those things are amazing, but even just taking that one step further, and I know you guys are doing a lot of things uh, through your fleet feet community during this time period. And, I think that is one of the things that I, I guess, never really expected as getting into running of seeing some of those benefits and just the feeling that I feel. And, and like you said, just helping others be able to do that has been uh, pretty amazing. And I think our community is pretty uh, tightly, tightly knit there. So I guess, first off, we should probably start out with why am I asking you topics about heat and humidity? Right. So why don't you give people a little background on, on, uh, on why you know a little bit about the weather? Yeah, so my first career, um, when I was 12, no, actually, <laughs> I went to college and got a degree in meteorology from St. Louis University. Um, so keeping that Midwestern theme. Um, and I became a meteorologist first, um, worked for a forecasting company in St. Louis that actually forecasted pavement temperatures, uh, which is super exciting. But um, like here in the summer, if the pavement is too hot, you can't repair potholes and repave streets because it doesn't cure right. Um, in the wintertime, when the pavement hits below 32 degrees and it rains or snows, um, it 
snow in, you know, the slick conditions on the road. So you need to kind of perfectly time when the ice trucks go out so that you don't waste salt and ice um, to remove the snow. So that was kind of my job for three years. And then I found this amazing startup company in Washington, D.C. area called AWS, or Automated Weather Source, that soon went by the name of Weatherbug. Um, I was one of the first 10 employees there. And we used this fancy thing back in 1997 called the internet. Um, and we would put weather stations at local schools and we connected that data through the internet so that it live streamed the weather. And our tagline was nobody lives at the airport. So when you listen to the National Weather Service or at the time, lots of TV stations would only give you the temperature at the airport, but who lives there? Um, we would be able to provide live weather conditions from your local school, which was a lot of fun. That's so why I got to work with a lot of TV stations and schools. And I was there for about 11 years um, before running kind of changed my life um, for the better. And I knew that I wanted a career in running and my sister and I decided to go into business together and open a running store. Um, being the scientist that I am, you'll be proud of this. Um, I just couldn't make the, the move wholesale and just open a retail store. Um, I decided to get my master's degree in exercise science from George Washington University, go colonial um, in Washington, DC. So I did that. It took two years to go to school. I worked part-time at a running store and then uh, moved up to Hartford and a couple of days later took over Fleet Feet Hartford. And so I'm a running store owner with about, I think it's 17 years of meteorology experience first. No, that's a great story. And uh, Weatherbug was definitely the first weather app that I ever did download on my first smartphone that I got. Yes. <laughs> so I was just- with all Verizon phones. We were the weather provider. Yes. Yeah. That was the first one. I was used to open it up and get my weather. So that was the first weather app that I actually ever used. So yeah, nice. no, that's fitting. <laughs> yeah. We got big into email marketing before email marketing was a thing. And um, I was the chief chirp and I would send out emails and stories and blogs and got to like track tornadoes and hurricanes and blizzards. And it was, it was an awesome job. That is pretty cool. No, it's definitely, I think uh, totally two different worlds, honestly, for you to have such a pivot in, in your career, but it sounds like you love doing what you're doing now. So yeah, um, the cool thing is, is that the principles that govern how weather works are the same principles at how our blood moves through our body. So there was actually more similarities in the way, you know, it's all fluid dynamics and, and everything. So it was, it was more familiar than I thought it was going to be. Nice. Nice. So let's get into uh, today's topic here. So why is it so hard when we get into these dog days of summer to run in the heat? Yeah. So, you know, it's hard from both a physical standpoint, but also a psychological standpoint. Um, none of us likes to feel uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes when you start to feel uncomfortable, you equate that to a supper fest that's coming. And so in your mind, like every day when you know you're going to go out there and at some point you're just going to hit that brick wall of heat and humidity um, in your face and you know it's not going to feel good and you're going to want to quit, that anticipation of that, they've actually done a research study that found that just the perception of warmth and feeling of uncomfortable is going to um, affect your heart rate, make your heart rate go up um, it's just going to make you feel like the run is more awful than it really is. So 
one of the things to do is, you know, the more you train in the heat, and I always like to tell people the more consistent you can be with running, and the same thing is in the cold. Um, don't be a fair weather runner because it's going to be that much harder to start up running in the heat. But if you started up this spring, like you just didn't do 11 miles, right? Out of uh, nowhere, you've been probably training for a good probably couple months. Like your body got to run in the spring when it was cool and then a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer. So it's not as bad as if somebody has been running inside in the gym and then all of a sudden goes outside. So um, always adapt yourself and know that it might not be as bad as it is because if you do believe it's gonna be horrible, um, perception usually turns into reality. So, you know, watch your psychological thoughts when you run and try not to think it's so uncomfortable. Um, but obviously there's a huge physical challenge when you run in the heat. Um, things like an increased heart rate. So. If you go for a run when it's 70 degrees and then you go for a run when it's 90 degrees, your heart rate will be 12 to 15 beats per minute faster. Um, and the faster your heart races, the you know, more amped up your, your body gets. Um, sweat rate is a big thing. Like when you run in the heat, you wanna try to sweat, um, but the more humidity there is out there, the more challenging it is to sweat. Um, so you always want to watch your, um, your sweat factor, watch what's going on in the humidity. And sometimes, you know, people do think that the less clothes they wear, um, the better when it's really hot and humid out. But there is some research saying that some of the really high tech performance clothes actually helps to spread our sweat out faster, which helps us to cool more. So when your body sweats, that's kind of a evaporative cooling. It'll actually cool itself off. So you want your body to sweat more. Um, they always say that the, the perfect conditions for a run, do you have any idea what they are? Wow. That, man, put me on the hot seat. I like it. I know, I right? Like you got to give um, you some questions. I would or you can um, ask so the, the temperature, uh, the temperature wise, I, I always thought 50 something degrees was kind of like ideal with no humidity for a race, like for a half marathon or a full marathon. Is that true? Yeah. It is. You almost oh, nailed nice. it. 50, 50 degrees, low humidity. Nice. Um, anything under 35% humidity um, is considered low. Um, that said, like we can talk about humidity later. Humidity is not the best um, measurement of how really humid it is because when the temperature and humidity are close to each other, or a measurement called the dew point, when the temperature and the dew point are close to each other, um, the humidity might be closer to 100%. But as the temperature gets warmer and warmer, and if the dew point stays fairly low, um, it's not going to feel quite as humid. But 50 degrees, low humidity, overcast skies, light wind, that's kind of perfect running conditions. And let's say in a perfect running condition, you run an eight minute mile. Um, but let's say that the temperature is now boosted to 85 degrees and the humidity is up to 50%. Another question, since you did so well with the first so, one. <laughs> so if you normally run an so, eight minute mile in yeah. perfect conditions, when yep. it's 85 degrees, that same effort level, what kind right. of do you think you're going to run? Yeah. So I know there are charts for this and <laughs> I did, I did study that from my run coaching uh, certification. Ah. However, I don't remember those exact numbers. So if I had a guess, I would say, oh, I would maybe say like a nine and a half minute pace where we spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Look at two that. Two. Proud. <laughs> Seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. It's about a 20% decrease in performance. So, um, you know, we always tell our training groups that when you're out there, you know, even if, for a longer run, you're gonna run slower than you do in a shorter run, unless it's race day. 
Um, but when the weather conditions do get over 85 degrees, you're about a minute and a half slower per mile at the same effort level. So wow. yeah, you, you could run a nine minute mile pace, but your effort is going to be a lot harder. Um, so the key takeaway here is like, give your body a break and almost throw your watch out the window. Like if you see a 9.30 pace, you might be like, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm going to quit running because I'm super slow. But the fact of the matter is, is that under better circumstances, that would be a much faster pace. So, um, you know, heat and humidity can really affect our performance. Um, so, just, a, yeah. Steph, can I interrupt you for one second? Just because you just dropped like five golden nuggets and I just have to kind of recap them. So I retain them. Yeah. So I heard, first off, the first point you made, I thought was, something I honestly never even thought about. And it might just be me being the physical therapist and thinking about the body and the physical, what happens from a physiologic standpoint, but bringing the mental aspect and the mindset, I think that was huge because yeah. you're right. I feel like if it is hot and it is humid outside or the dew point, right? Um, good. We psych ourselves out and we already think like, oh, I'm not gonna have a good run or this run's gonna be just terrible. And that makes so much sense now that you can get a little bit of anxiety and anxious feelings, which yes, anxious feelings, increase heart rate. And then if you're increased heart rate, then you're not as efficient at bringing that oxygen to the muscles. Yeah. So that all kind of makes sense to me. So I, I've honestly never even thought about <laughs> that aspect. So I think that was point number one that all I right. absolutely love. My job here is done. <laughs> so point number two is I relate what you talked about with the temperatures to exactly my half marathon PRs and my worst half marathon <laughs> races here in Connecticut. So Hartford half is my three fastest half times ever because it's always in the second week in October and it's always literally 50 something degrees. Right. So it's my usually great too. temperature. And then I contrast that to the Labor Day New Haven road race. Yeah. And that one traditionally has always been like super hot, 80s, mid 80s, yeah. humid as all can be. And those you see people dropping like flies, you know, you're seeing people getting rushed off. And for me, just even just being the simple minded, I've noticed those patterns over the years. And I think you bring up a good point in terms of expectations. And even those that are running our Spark Your Soul virtual half marathon this weekend, yeah, we're not looking to PR because we are literally in the hottest in weeks way. of the summer. <laughs> so, you know, expectation wise, let's keep it realistic. And I think Steph's probably going to share with us why we should um, in a little bit. But I think those were some great points. Sorry to interrupt you, but okay. I, I felt like I needed to. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the next question, sometimes people look at the guy, the young kid that's zooming down the street and like, oh man, that fast runner, like he must have it easier because he's running so much faster. Um, so he's not quite as hot, but actually the faster you run, the more heat you do produce and the more stress on your body. Um, so it's not an advantage to run faster in the heat. You're not going to get any cooler. Um, so just remember your, your nice, easy pace. Uh, also, the more you weigh, the harder and hotter you're going to run. Um, dehydration becomes a huge factor um, in running, and that can really degradate your performance. Um, but it also has a bigger impact on recovery. So you know that training for a half marathon is all about consistency and keeping your body healthy. Um, if 
you finish a run and you don't drink, let's say 32 ounces of water within the first hour, you might feel okay at first, but it's going to take your muscles maybe 48, 72 hours to recover versus 24 hours if you do hydrate enough. Um, and anytime you're running longer than 30 minutes, you should be adding electrolytes to your, um, the water that you drink to replace the salt. Sometimes that's you know, some of the spark that gets your engine and your muscles burning is that they need those salts for those muscle contractions. Um, so dehydration is definitely um, a bigger issue. But the cool thing is, is that if you do train all summer long, you know, there's a reason why fall marathons and halves are typically our fastest is because we've been training in the heat and then all of a sudden the temperature starts to get cool. I mean, even early October, it can be in the 80s in, in Hartford, and then it never fails. Like on race day, we get the first frost. And so you're standing down there in Bushnell Park, and you're freezing because it's 32 degrees and there's frost on the ground, um, but it's kind of ideal running. Um, if you do train smart in the heat, you can adapt and you can actually get a fairly sizable training benefit. Um, your VO2 max is going to go up and your blood plasma levels are going to go up and your sweat rate increases. And the more you can sweat, um, the faster you're going to stay cool. Um, a funny story, you know, it's always my dad that has funny stories. Um, he always ran every day at noon, six miles every day at noon, five days a week when he was working. Um, and we pretty much called him a sweat machine because Literally, I would go out for a run with him, even if it was cool or if it was hot. And within one minute, he was like spraying sweat off his calves and his forehead. And he was just a sweating machine. His body knew how to sweat as soon as he started running. And that keeps him super cool. Even to this day, like he was out gardening yesterday in jeans and a t-shirt. And I'm like, aren't you hot? And he's like, oh, it's actually really comfortable out here today. So yeah. you get more efficient. And that reminds me of the other point. So now I'm still going back to that first, first conversation we had, because I didn't even mention this because you, you made me think of it when you're talking about your dad with the jeans outside. <laughs> Cause I always think about like, aren't these people like really sweating when they're wearing pants and long sleeves? But, yeah. and I had someone ask me this because now I've been doing the uh, compression sleeves, yeah. right. For the calf muscles. And I've had a couple of runners like ask me, well, it, aren't you hot in those? You know, you have something on your skin, but I thought you brought up a good point before that it helps wick away right. some of the sweat kind of helps cool your body. And I think you're, you're talking about sweat is actually a good thing because it's cooling yeah. our bodies down and allowing us to actually run at whatever pace that we want. So it almost enhances our performance. Is that right. correct? Yeah. The more you sweat, the more evaporative cooling helps. So it's not just that the act of sweating, but it's that sweat evaporating out to the atmosphere. So the more you sweat, it's the more your body's dumping heat out of your body. And then the faster you can get rid of that sweat so that more sweat can come up behind it, the better it is. Um, and so if you think about some of the super high-tech fancy performance fabrics now kind of create a little bit of a layer and the sweat comes up and then it spreads out like um, there's some really cool stuff. If you actually just put a drop of water on some of your best performance where watch that water spread out super fast. That's what happens with your sweat. It thins out really fast and a thinner surface is able to evaporate faster um, than a smaller surface is. So um, sometimes a little bit of clothes is, is not a bad thing. And I'm sure we'll talk later about my favorite things to wear when it's when it's hot and going for a run. So I'll save, I'll save a little bit. For yeah. 
No, absolutely. And so just to recap, you, you talked about a couple of benefits just so people kind of got this. So the benefits, if we train consistently in the heat that you mentioned before, which I think is keys as well, because I think about years that I did run that Labor Day half, and it seemed like every time it became 90 degrees, it was that like shock and awe. It was like, we've had the coldest, like August month and I've run at 5 AM and it was like in the fifties, you know, and my pool, cause I have a pool above ground and it's like the water temperature drops. The girls never want to go in the pool because now at nighttime it's getting into the fifties. So the water temperature drops I'm running, you know, it's cool when I'm running, it feels great, but then right. it's like race day hits. And now it's like 85 degrees. Hot, yeah. hazy, humid. Oh, it's like 90 and degrees. It just kills my performance. Right. But if you do it consistently, which I've noticed actually like my performance this year, because we've had actually a bunch of hot days and humid days for yeah. a while now. And even I think with um, quarantine and all that stuff and running even a little later, you know, a month or two ago helped me almost adapt and acclimate to the heat a little bit where I'm not as bothered as right. I would have been previously. But some of the benefits you mentioned, I think was improved VO2 max, yep. blood plasma wow. volume, right? Yep. And then the fact that you are sweating more. Yeah, your sweat correct? rate will increase. Okay. Be more efficient at sweating. Nice. All right. Yeah. So those are some great, great benefits there. So let me just catch up on comments here. Uh, so we've had uh, a couple. So Trisha says that she's found that it's much easier to get out of the house to run in the summer than it is in cold weather. January and February make me cringe just thinking about running like so many Connecticut runners. Oh, that's the <laughs> best time to run, actually. I know. I, I love running in the winter, actually. Um, so, yeah, Kat, I, I mentioned uh, this Saturday. So, yeah, we're not looking for PRs, but we're looking for consistent performance. And you've been training consistently this whole time in this hot weather. So I think you're adapted and you're going to be ready to go. Um, so what about, we talked about the benefits stuff. What about the dangers of running in extreme heat? Yeah. So, I mean, running in extreme heat is, is not for novices. And I don't say that from like a, a running standpoint. I'm like, if you always run in air conditioning or you love running in, in cold weather, it's not a smart idea to just go outside one day when it's 95 degrees and 80% humidity. Um, and I did want to take kind of a step back and talk about, you know, when we talk about extreme heat, it's not just temperature, but humidity is a bigger factor um, in my book. And that's that dew point temperature that I had mentioned. Um, any dew point that's like 65 degrees and under is actually fairly comfortable. Um, it's when you get to the 65 to 70 range on the dew point that things start to feel awful. Um, anytime you see dew points in the 70s or um, twice in Atlanta, I had dew points in the 80s. Um, it was like 82 dew point and it just feels soupy and gross. And the bad thing with humidity is it like sticks on your skin and it doesn't let you sweat. So the more humid it is, the harder it is for your body to sweat. Um, if you go run in Arizona where, you know, it's 120 degrees, um, especially if you're properly dressed and properly hydrated, it's actually a little bit easier to run than it is, let's say if it's 85 degrees with a 72 dew point, um, just because that humidity makes it harder to run in. So all your friends that, you know, complain that they run in 105 degree temperatures in Phoenix, you can be like, that's just a dry heat. You need to come to Connecticut. Or I've got friends in Alabama and Mississippi, and I honestly do not know how they run because it's like 70, 75 dew point every day. So always look at that dew point temperature. 
um, to see how it is. And the higher that dew point is, the more dangerous it is to run. Um, that said, you know, running in extreme heat, as long as you've been, especially been kind of getting acclimated and creeping up into it, like you've been running when it's 70s and then you've been running in the 80s and then it hits 92 one day, you shouldn't be that worried as long as you have hydrated and you've done the proper things to take care of your body um, and making sure that your body is sweating. It's when your body stops sweating and you actually start to feel cold. Yeah, that's uh, signs of heat exhaustion and heat stroke and definitely time to go into cooler places and drink a lot more water. You know, I've heard of people going out for a 10 mile run um, in hot human conditions and they'll lose like eight to 10 pounds of water from their body. So that's a lot of water you need to add back in. And um, again, when running in extreme heat, that's when those electrolytes are really important. So making sure that you're adding some salt. I mean, you can even just put kosher salt and some lemon juice in, in your water. I'm a big fan of noon hydration or you can is my kind of go-to right now. And I hear you're talking to somebody from you can next week. So yes. um, that's good. It's um, it tastes really good because it's salty. Like you can really taste the salt in it um, and there's no sugar. So it doesn't, you don't want the sugar. You just want the, the, the salts so that you can keep those, those muscles going. Obviously when you're running um, in, the, in the extreme heat, try to find neighborhoods that might have sprinklers on. And that's kind of my, my favorite thing is to go run through a sprinkler or someone's hose. Um, our marathon training group did 14 miles on Sunday and Sunday was ridiculously hot. Um, and at mile 12, they went by my parents' house and my dad was out there with the hose and he sprayed them all down and everybody, said that that was the highlight of their run was to, the only thing they got them through was that cool shower. And then for the next two miles, as they dried, they actually felt cooler and were able to run. So um, running in this extreme heat, you know, not, you don't like, it's not a horrible thing to do. Like, it's not like, oh, hey, this is super dangerous. It's only dangerous if you're not prepared and you haven't uh, taken the precautions that you need. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is number one, you have to be smart yep. <laughs> and you have to be smart in that you have to adapt and build up to that as well as the hydrate and electrolytes. Like we talked about last week's episode, uh, the importance of hydration and electrolytes. And really, I think the key thing that everyone needs to needs to keep in mind that danger, danger, danger wise is when you stop sweating, yeah. that is, you need to stop running and cool down and get medical attention. Um, so that is where you're at the point of heat stroke, um, heat exhaustion, you're still sweating, but you're feeling taxed. So that's, again, you know, you need to know your body and know your limits and how much to push. But if you prepare yourself in advance and you're training in the right conditions, you're hydrating, you have your electrolytes and Again, if, if the day, you know, the conditions are just terrible that day, as far as what Steph's talking about with the dew point. So is that, Mark, you said 65 degrees? Is that kind of yeah. anything above that? We should really be cautious and, yeah. you know, not be looking to PR, right? Exactly. If we're going, okay. <laughs> I, I would All even right. say, like, if I look at the weather and it's 75 degrees is the morning temperature and it's a 72 dew point that's a much more dangerous run than if it's 90 degrees with a 55 degree dew point. Like that's a really dry heat. You just put on a hat and sunglasses and try to stay out of the, the direct sun and 
that's an easier run in that super hot weather than it is in that lower temperature weather. So sometimes that's where we get caught up in August is that we think, oh, it's only 75 degrees outside, but it's so humid that our bodies just are not sweating as, as they should. Yeah. And I think that actually got me. And so I've only run one full and that was at Hartford and that's what got me and why I cramped up at mile 20 because it was, it was 50 something degrees and it, but the dew point was high that year. It was like, this was like three years ago and it, it snuck up on me. You know, I was feeling great, obviously. Yeah. There were a lot of people that, that suffered through that one. Yeah, it was, it definitely snuck up on me, but you bring up a great point. So Jean says that she runs for sprinklers. I run for sprinklers as well, Jean. Um, Kat, Kat says, so do I. Um, so Dina's got a question here, Steph. Um, she says Himalayan pink salt and lemon with water, question mark. Is that correct? Yeah. Have you heard that. of that? Oh, okay. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, that's like right. your own homemade energy, energy drink and Himalayan salt has got some more antioxidants in it and it works magic. So definitely do that. Nice. And uh, Dawn reminded us that um, she actually heard this morning that normally in Connecticut, we have 15 days over 90 degrees, but we've already had 20 days and it's only July 27th. Yeah. I was listening to the weather tonight and the, the meteorologist was like, you know, horrible heat spell. We haven't had heat like this since hmm, the same week last year in July when we <laughs> hit like 98 for the day. So this is uh, this is one of those times that we do heat up, and I mean, last year was really warm too. But the good news is, is you guys have been training for this, so Sunday is going to feel like a dream. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think we touched upon some points, but is there anything else we didn't talk about in terms of preparation to run in hot weather? What are some things that we can do to prepare? Let's say folks are getting ready for this weekend for our virtual half. How can we prepare yeah. to run in hot weather? So definitely drinking water the day before. So if you're running on, are you running Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, most of us are going to run actually a little group run, socially distant on Saturday. Nice. Yeah. All right. So Thursday, Friday, you need to start upping your water intake. And that's not drinking gallons of water because there is that issue of hypernutremia um, where you can drink too much water, um, but not to scare you. But um you know, if you normally drink 64 ounces of water a day, maybe try to bump it up to 80 to 100 ounces for those two days to make sure that everything is really plump and you've got lots of water to sweat out because remember that sweat is going to be your body's natural air conditioner. Um, definitely add in some salt. Like summertime, you know, after a good workout, I crave salted popcorn. Um mm. That's a great snack. Sometimes if you listen to what your body wants, or if you like corn on the cob and you like it really salty, um, that's usually your body's way of telling you that it, it does need some salt. Um, so Thursday, Friday as well, you know, don't watch your salt intake. Maybe watch your MSG, um, Chinese food um, <laughs> intake, but like salty things, like it's not a bad thing to kind of extra salt up because the salt will help your body store even more water. Just do not step on the scale on race morning because you might weigh two or three pounds more than you normally do because your body um, has retained all that moisture. I guarantee you that when you finish the run, you will be like, it would be the magic weight loss plan. Um, just make sure you don't lose too much water um, and keep hydrating before. So um, definitely really work on hydrating Thursday, Friday. Um, on race day, it is gonna be sunny and warm on Saturday. And and Sunday. Um, so make sure that your outfit, um, a hat is always a good thing. 
I am not a fan of a hat because I feel like it keeps my head too warm. So I, I'm a visor girl. Um, sunglasses, you can never go wrong um, with sunglasses, even at night. That's for all you Corey Hart fans out there. Um, sunglasses, you know, one of the things that they found is that if you don't wear sunglasses or even a visor or a hat, you squint and squinting can actually take five to 10%, add five to 10% more taxing. So you lose energy um, because your body is like, squinting and it can cause a headache as well. So keep your eyes relaxed by wearing sunglasses and, and a little visor. Definitely wear sunscreen. Um, it's not uh, just because you're running and doing something good for your body doesn't mean that you can't get sunburned. Um, and we've mm -hmm. all had those runs where we come back um, beet red. Try to run on the shaded side of the road as much as possible. Um, and I know sometimes that might mean running, crossing a street for a little while so that you're on the shadier side. Um, just make sure if you're in the road, try to run like, always against traffic. But if you can find a shady place to run, that's gonna be much better. And the earlier you can get out, the better. So Dwayne, it sounds like you run at 5 a.m. Lots of shade then at 5 a.m. till that, till that sun comes out. Um, it might be worth getting up a little bit earlier on Saturday morning than you normally do. And the great thing is, is you can then take a nap and when everybody else in your household gets up at 10 a.m., you've already run a half marathon and, you know, taken a nap and you're ready to go for the day. And you can have rights to the couch all day long or the hammock outside because <laughs> you've already put in the work. Elevating those feet, making sure they don't swell up, having my compression exactly. socks on. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely make sure you're not wearing cotton. Cotton is a great holder of moisture. So what it does is, it'll keep that water next to your skin and it won't let it evaporate as quickly to the atmosphere to cool you off. So try to stay away from um, wearing anything with cotton yeah. in it. Polyester is, is, is your, is your go-to. Um, do not hesitate to put Vaseline or body glide over everything. Um, knees, toes, um, for women under our sports bra straps, it, like you, Chub rub is not uh, a fun thing to deal with post post run. I mean, it is one of those things that you like step in the shower and then you're like, ah, and it's like this badge of courage that you're like totally chafed, but not as comfortable as you. There's there's more rewarding ways to celebrate your run than <laughs> with chafing. Yeah, no, I think uh, most of us might have been there before. Um, yeah. Guys who are here on the live, just say been there to the comment box. This is no judgment. <laughs> zone been our... there, done that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is actually a good segue to, you talked about not wearing cotton. So I'll, I'll try to think about as I'm, you know, playing my Rocky Balboa theme song yeah. um, during my, during my half, I won't have my cotton sweatshirt on. Um so what do we wear to run in hot weather? Yeah, I mean, there are those uh, men that love, and women, just the little shorts and either no shirt or you got your little sports bra on. Um, but I do like to have a lightweight performance-y, either a tank top or even on a short sleeve shirt. If it's going to be super sunny, um, arm warmers or arm coolers, they're called. They're like white arm warmers, but they're made with a fabric that has xylitol in it. And Think of xylitol as the same thing as when you chew gum and you get that cooling sensation. Um, what happens when the xylitol is activated with sweat? It cools your body temperature by two or three degrees. Um, so it's a great sunscreen, like sun protection, but it also helps to keep the, our skin a little bit cooler. Um, so 
counter counterintuitive that you're like, wait, I wouldn't want to wear arm sleeve. But if you've ever watched like the bad water ultra marathon, whenever they're running through Death Valley, they always have sleeves on and a hat that covers um, their neck and everything just to kind of keep things cool, but also air moving. Um, so yeah, cotton is rotten. Find a, a nice performance fabric out there. Um, you know, anything that's 100% polyester is going to be good, but there is amazing materials out there. New Balance has what they call MB Ice that has that sort of um, that cooling effect in it. Um, one of my new favorite tops and shorts is by a company called Janji, and they call it AFO, which stands for air flat out, but it helps the airflow through the short and the, and the shirt to wick that moisture off. And it's like so light, it just feels like you're naked and without the, you know, indecency part. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping a PG. <laughs> yeah. Um, another interesting fact, um, I learned this from my friends in Florida that own a running store down there. Um, I, we were talking about socks. So definitely no cotton socks, always wear um, a performance-based sock and wool is a great option. Even wool on top is a great thing. Um, so Merino sheep that live in the New Zealand Alps and mountains, um, they range like the temperature ranges in the Alps is like freezing below freezing to 90 plus degrees. And merino wool actually is very thermoregulatory in that when you're really warm, it lets excess heat escape. And when you're cold and there's not enough heat, it knows to kind of close down and trap that heat. So wool is a, an amazing natural fiber to wear. Um, so wool socks are kind of a go-to on really hot, humid days. Um, but I was like, oh, you probably only sell like the no-show socks that barely come out of your shoes. And um, they said, actually in Florida, the socks that have a little bit, either a crew sock or a quarter sock are the most popular because what happens is all that sweat runs down your leg. And in the no-show sock, it just pools on the bottom of your socks a little bit more. And you know what happens, like even a good performance-based sock and a good running shoe that's mesh, that's designed to help evaporate um, the sweat from your feet. Because when you run for an hour, your feet actually release about eight ounces of sweat a piece. So a cup of sweat comes out of your feet when you run for an wow. hour. So if you're out there for two hours, two cups of sweat out of every foot, that's a lot for your shoes and socks to handle. Um, but if you wear a sock with a taller top, that cuff around your ankle or your calf, and like for you, your calf sleeves actually stops that sweat from going into your shoes and your feet. So your feet stay drier, drier feet equals less blisters. Yes. Yes. Wow. Two cups. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Gross, right. <laughs> I never thought about that. We need that like in an image. I feel like that should be like an image out there and, yeah. and why there's, you shouldn't. There's a quarter of a million sweat glands on each of your feet. Like that's a lot of sweat glands. Wow. Yeah. The skin is the largest organ of the body. Is it? It is. It is. <laughs> that's, that's always a good trivia question. Everyone's yes, like, oh, it the is. liver, oh, the lungs. You're like, not the skin. Yeah. So no, those are great, great. I, I think hopefully you guys are, are picking up all these tips that Steph's sharing here. So let's get into our final stretch here. So if you could yeah. change one thing about the misconception of running in the heat, or even if you would like to share a misconception about running shoes, since we really didn't highlight that at all uh, during today's talk, what would that be? Um, well, one, don't wear leather running shoes, um, court shoes. <laughs> There's a reason why shoes are, are meshy and that is really to help your feet breathe and, and stay cooler. Um, always a good idea to keep those shoes 
um, fresh as fresh can be. Um, you'll even notice that like some of the foams get really smushy um, when you run in warmer temperatures, which is something probably people don't think. They think their shoe is a shoe no matter what, but um, a lot of running shoe foams have a very small window of optimal um, bounce back that if it's too cold, they're like running on bricks. And if it's too warm, they get super soft and melty and you just, you sink more in the shoe and you actually then need more glute and hamstring strength to like run in those. So um, I got a lot of things to say. Um, when, when you go shopping for shoes, there's always the cheaper version like Saucony and Brooks and Nike all make economical sneakers. You know, I call them, they're between like 50 and $75. Those shoes are made with a very inexpensive foam that is designed to break down quickly in weather conditions, but also after 100 to 200 miles. The more you pay for a shoe, typically the more premium materials you get, and those foams are able to withstand temperature changes a little bit more. So um, in the past couple of years, Adidas was the first to come to the table with what they call Boost. Um, but Saucony has, they call it Everrun, but what it is is uh, little plastic pellets that are um, TPU. Um, they're steamed really fast, so they pop like a piece of popcorn. And no matter how hot or how cold it is, they stay that same buoyancy resistancy. So um, don't cheat yourself by wearing cheap shoes. Like if you really want to have good consistent runs all the time, um, go for a, a traditional sort of um, real performance running shoes, change them every three to 500 miles. Um, and my biggest misconception would be that running in the heat really isn't that dangerous if you're careful. Um, so just take your time, you know, maybe you have, I mean, it's hard when you've got a training schedule, you're training for a half marathon or a full in the summer and it's 95 degrees outside and you know you have to do 20 miles. Um, we always say the give or take uh, plus or minus two rule that you can do two miles less on that day and it equals about the same amount of training. Um, my dad was very adamant when we were training for marathons that you do two three hour runs and that's it. And if that three hour run one time you ran 18 miles because the weather sucked and then the next time it was nice and cool and you ran 21 miles it's the same effort. It's a time effort. So, you know, think about if you were, you know, if you're on pace to like, you normally run an eight minute mile, but you know, we talked earlier about your pace being a minute and a half slower in heat and humidity. If you know that, then maybe instead of doing an 11 mile training run, you would do a nine and a half mile training run and the effort would be the same. And you just need to trust in your training that on race day, your body is ready to do it. So, um, run in the heat, just be careful. And uh, there's something um, badass that happens when you train in super hot weather and you tell people like, yeah, I did 13 miles today. And they're like, what? You are tough. And you're like, you know what? I am. So give yourself <laughs> lots of props and bragging rights for doing that. Indeed. No, that is great. And I think you brought up a great point about um, running shoes or as kind of and the New Yorker me just calls them sneakers, sneakers, uh, <laughs> sneakers um, is we focus a lot on the healthy runner podcast and within the Facebook group on the things to keep us healthy as runners in terms of strengthening and training. And don't forget that the proper shoe is important because if you have plantar fasciitis and you have that heel pain, you could stretch the plantar fascia all the time. You can work <laughs> those intrinsic muscles. You can stretch that calf out. But if you have poor shoes, 
and you're running in them, then it's always going to keep coming back. So thank you for bringing up that point and highlighting that, because I think that is super important. And a lot of people do sometimes tend to look at, wow, you know, $120, $150 is super yeah. expensive. And you're like, but if you're going to be running for 300 to 500 miles, and they're going to be the, the shoe that actually allows you to do the activity that you want to do and keep you on the pavement doing what you love, isn't that worth that investment um, for that shoe and to keep you healthy? So yeah. just kind of think about that. $150 pair of sneakers is, you know, for a lot of us, one PT visit you know, it depends on your uh, deductible, your copay could cost you two or $300. So keeping you out of the PT's office or the doctor's office, and sorry, like we need to yep. go see you for a lot more other things, especially motivation to train. Um, yep. But it's really not that big of a, an investment if it, you know, does lead you to a healthier, happier life. And I, I will say like, you know, running is my therapy. And I have a shirt that, that says that, that, you know, there's nothing like a good run or even a bad run to make you feel um, pretty invincible and, and much better in the head. So to me, it's, it's worth it every couple months to get shoes. But of course I did buy a running store so that I would have access to shoes and cute apparel all the time. Yes, yes, yes. It, oh, everything you're saying, I agree 1000%. And we are just such big believers um, in prehab and preventing injuries. So that's kind of my passion and why, you know, I started this podcast to begin with was to prevent injuries. So I don't have to treat people in here um, when they are injured. So this is all great information. So let's recap um, some of the things that Steph dropped us uh, knowledge bombs tonight. So we talked about why it is hard to run in the heat. We talked about um, dew point and we talked about not just looking at the temperature and we talked about the dangers of running in extreme heat if you're not fully trained and just making sure we're not getting to the point of heat stroke and when, you know, you know, to check in with your body and know when enough is enough and, you know, identify those things. And then we talked about the benefits of actually running in hot weather. And if you do it consistently, there are benefits. And from a in performance standpoint, you can improve your running fitness running in hot weather if you do it smart. And then we talked about how to prepare yourself to run. Steph talked a lot about hydration, the electrolytes, which was great, hopefully reiterated what Mike talked about in last week's episode, and then what you should wear, right? So what you should wear in that hot weather. So I'm sure there'll be um, many runners who have heard this stuff and either listened to it on the podcast or even watched it on our Spark Your Training YouTube channel and want to learn more about you as well as the culture you have created at Fleet Feet in the West Hartford store. So what would be the best way for them to check out either some of your products or some of the programs that you guys are uh, doing at this point in time? I would say um, we try to keep our website updated. So fleetfeethartford.com. But I also invite you to become a part of our Facebook. Um, search for us under Fleet Feet West Hartford. Um, we've got a great social media guy named Alex. And he we were talking before, he does super fun, funny videos. Um, but all of our events are on there. We're starting a speed workout at Conard High School on Thursday night. Um, it's limited to 30 people. It's free. Um, coached by two cross-country coaches over at Trinity College. So they're um, legit coaches. And this week is a 200-meter repeat. Um, there's eight slots left. So if you want one of those, definitely go visit our Facebook page or go to fleetfeethartford.com slash track. Uh, we do community runs on Wednesdays uh, evenings at 6.30 and Saturday mornings at 8.30 a.m. 
um, and we like to highlight the unity in community and try to make our um, invite everybody of all ages and colors and nationalities and you know we're all we're all runners when we get together and we all sweat and uh, have a good time so um, come be a part of what we do uh, just had a great meeting with a local farm that we've got some uh, farm fit sessions and a scavenger hunt that we're going to put together for September and October. Um, things that we can do socially distanced because it is on a farm, but also still use our running and our fitness to have a little bit of fun. And there's always some good food and adult beverages afterwards. Runners like adult beverages. So that is, that is a good thing. Yeah, no, it seems like you have a lot of great things going on um, out of the store and really kind of creating that community, which I love and, you know, hearing about some of those things. And yeah, definitely a shameless plug to your social media and Alex, because some of those videos are, are pretty <laughs> funny. I've checked them out. Uh, so I was very impressed because I'm always, I'm always looking at uh, what to do on social media. And no, I like some of those videos. They were great. And He's I think a, you have a Alex lot of- has learned the value of um, the, the cut. So he'll film a video and then snap, and then he'll cut in a new video. And it's kind of funny. So there's, there's magic going on. Now, this was actually, this was such a joy, Steph. It was so nice to actually meet you. And, yeah. you know, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think appreciate you, dropped... you listening to me on Ali's show and inviting me on. This is, this has been great. No, this, this really was guys. So guys, if you're here on uh, Facebook, watching this on the live or even on the replay, number one, thank you so much for watching and uh, give Steph a little thumbs up, give her a heart, uh, you know, tell her that this was valuable or tell, honestly, tell us what was one thing you learned today? I'm kind of curious because I actually learned a couple of things myself and, but you, you know, got that, all my questions was, right. And that wasn't even rehearsed. I know. I know. That was, Smart I, man. You put me on the hot, hot, hot seat there. <laughs> that was good though. Stepped up. I always like a good challenge. So that was good. I liked it. Um, now, now I hope future guests don't listen to this and they're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to stump Dwayne <laughs> every time they come on. They're just going to try to stump me. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say um, good luck to all of you that are running the half marathon this weekend. Sounds like your training has been smart and you're just going to light up the roads on Saturday or Sunday. So good luck. Have fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, they, everyone's been training hard. It's been a difficult time period with um, COVID and we were doing like home workouts at first for three months. And then um, Lisa Tatum and I, we kind of started this virtual race series, just keep people motivated throughout the summer. And everyone who's been in, in, in the group has been doing an awesome job being consistent with their training. And, you know, we're trying to do a lot of the things that you talked about tonight. So we appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time out to come on tonight. So thank you all for uh, listening to this either on the live or the replay. And if you're listening to this on the podcast and you found some of this information helpful, share the episode with a friend, just kind of hit that button, copy the link, send it to a running friend of yours who can use some of this information with these hot temperatures. Um, we still got some time to go here in the summer. So we're going to have some hot days ahead of us. So I think if we use all these strategies that Steph talked about tonight, we can stay healthy as runners and continue doing what we love and not be scared to run in the heat as long as you prepare. So thank you guys so much again. Stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Bye guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of it 
and I hope that becoming a healthy runner is as exciting for you as it is for me. I hope you can see that this podcast can not only benefit your running, but your overall health as well. If I said something that resonated with you, then jump over to our free Facebook group called Healthy Runner. I give live trainings in there every single week to the hundreds of members. I answer questions directly in there and absolutely love hearing the takeaway and wins that you have from this show. More on the show at sparkyourtraining.com for our latest articles, resources, and specific exercise videos I mentioned in the show. You can also head over to any of my social media accounts at sparkyourtraining where I include lots of free content for all the ideas I talked about in the show. If you have learned anything from this podcast, I would really appreciate if you headed over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rated and reviewed it, as well as pass it along to your runner friends so they can have the same tools and ideas that you now have. If you have any questions, suggestions, and show ideas, the best way to reach out is through your favorite social media platform. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you. Stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Now it's time to strap in and get ready for the next episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast.